So, uh, so far we've looked at we are loved, we looked at we're forgiven, we looked at we, were, we are saved, the gospel proclaims you can be saved, we looked at we are in union with Christ, and almost everything going forward of the good news of the gospel has to do with this union, this baptism of our spirit, our, 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 our born again, new creation man being submerged into the very nature and spirit of God, right? We've seen that we're accepted in the beloved. Last week we looked at we are holy, right? And uh, holiness is not, is not what religion has taught us that holiness is. Holiness is being found, into, found in union with the Holy One. The One that is whole all by Himself. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. We have been brought into Him. And because we're brought into Him, we are missing no good thing. Amen? So today we're going to look at another word that the Gospel, the, the gospel proclaims, the good news of the Gospel proclaims. And here we go. Ooh, exciting, huh? I mean, you're probably wondering, how is being dead good news? Right? If the gospel is, if, if all, all it proclaims is good news, how is dead good, good news? And trust me, by the time we come to the, to the end of this message today, you're going to see that it's really, really, really good news to know that you're dead. See, far too many Christians fail to receive the fullness of God's grace and struggle to live out the finished work of Christ in their lives. And here, here are two reasons. Um, one reason is, is, first, they don't properly value um, Christ's accomplishment on the cross. They don't, under, they don't value the all-encompassing finished work of Jesus. Right? We, they, they, they have, and most of them has been, have been taught that, that Jesus brought you this far but it's up to you to bring you to, to, across the finish line. And the truth is, it says that we are seated with Him in heavenly places. I don't know how much farther you've got to go, but when you're seated at the right hand of God the Father in heavenly places because you are found in Christ. That's amazing to think. And one of the reasons people struggle to live this abundant life, the life of God, the, the Zoe life of God, this, this all-encompassing um, life of the new creation realities is because they fail to appropriate and understand the all-encompassing finished work of Jesus. And they're trying to do something that they've... They're trying to do, they're trying to become, they're trying to receive what has already been done by God's grace. The second is they don't know what happened to them on the cross. That we don't understand what happened to us on the cross. Every believer knows that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, but not every believer knows that you died also. You died also. Every, here's a few scriptures to back up this reality. In Colossians 3.3, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 2, 20-22. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the, the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject 
yourselves to regulations. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are no, of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You know what he just said right there? He says that you have died in Christ already, and you are so concerned about all these rules that you have to, 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 to do. These laws, these rules. And, and, you, and it says that it has nothing, it, it has no power to guard to no value against the indulgence of the flesh. The very things religion tells us to do to overpower the flesh does not have the power in them to make us be, to be able to overcome the flesh. That's called insanity. In Romans chapter 6, 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, if one died for all, then all died. There's just a couple of scriptures. We're going to read some more. You're dead. You died. Hallelujah. I preached the message once entitled, Ding Dong, the witch is dead. The wicked witch. The wicked witch. Right? We died. So you might be asking yourself, how this happened? I, I don't remember dying. Well, do you remember our teaching on union? Do you remember our teaching on union? When, when you were included in Christ, you were baptized into His death. His death became your death. And as we will see, this is very, very good news. When we get saved, we're told a lot of wonderful things about our future. We're told that things like, God has a wonderful plan for you, right? Your future is bright. So bright you've got to wear shades, right? And we're told a lot of great things about our present. We're told, we're told you are now a citizen of heaven. You are now a child of the king. You are now royalty. You are now God's kid, Right? So we're told wonderful things about our future and we're told wonderful things about our past. But have you been told about your one or your wonderful things about our future, wonderful things about our present? But have you been told about your wonderful past? Do you know that you have a wonderful past? Probably not. For most of us, our past is filled with bad memories. It's filled with regrets bad behavior and sin, right? Ask any truthful Christian about their past and they will give you an answer that is anything but good news. But it doesn't matter where you came from or what you came out of. The truth is, as we will see, our past is just as important as our present and our future. Until you understand your past, you can't have, you can't fully enjoy and walk in your present and your future. Here, 
is where we miss the most important thing about our past. You remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt? When they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, they were tempted to go back to Egypt, weren't they? They were, they were, they were tempted to go back to their old life. They were, they were dreaming about how wonderful it was back in Egypt where they were slaves, where they were whipped, where they were brutalized. They thought, I was born and raised in Egypt, and that's where I belong. But when you see your old life as crucified with Christ, that tie is severed. The old Egyptian no longer lives, and Egypt no longer appeals. What am I saying? I'm saying the, the imagery of the Israelites going through the Red Sea and to the other side, and each Pharaoh and all his armies chasing after them, and the seas crashing down on them and destroying them all. It was supposed to show the Israelites that Egypt is gone. Egypt is dead. You have come through the waters. You have been baptized through the waters. And the past is gone. That's all just a beautiful picture of, of what God accomplished in Christ Jesus. We've been baptized. We've been submerged into Christ. We died in Christ. The old man has perished. The old man is dead. The old slave master is dead. We no longer belong there because we're no, that's no longer who we are. And, and if we understand that our old man, our old life has died, how can you ever be tempted to go back to it? Here's the good news. Jesus is not only the Lord of our present. He's not only the Lord of our future. He is Lord of our past. Jesus is Lord of our past. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ live, liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you were born again, Jesus gave you a brand new life, complete with a brand new past. You have a brand new past. You have a new history, and it began at the cross. You died with Christ. Our baptism into Christ's death is just about the most important thing that has ever happened to us. But the problem is, is most in the church are ignorant to it. They ask the average Christian about their past and you'll hear about the bad things that happened to them and the dumb choices that they made. And although they're, they're trying to, in their attempt to bring glory to God, that's not them. The reality is, when we embrace that past, we are living a lie and in the shadow of of someone else's past. You are not you even when you give a testimony of who you were before Christ, you're not giving your testimony. That person is dead. 
You're giving someone else's testimony, not yours. And when you live like that, you live haunted by a ghost of who you used to be. But, the te- but I like the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I like what he gives himself. He, it goes a little like this. He says, I was born. I did some stuff. I died. I was crucified with Christ. And the person I used to be no longer lives. How many testimonies do you hear like that? In Philippians chapter 3.14, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for, for, forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul forgets the past. He forgets and he reaches forward to his life in Christ Jesus. Do you know how many Christians Paul killed or locked up? We don't know, do we? He never, he never tells us. We know he did some bad stuff, right? We know that he called himself the chief of sinners. We know that he persecuted the church and other things because other people said this about him, right? The book of Acts wasn't written by Paul. So all that testimony that you have of Paul in his past doesn't even come from Paul. It comes from another person. Besides one passing mention in chapter 1 of Galatians, Paul says nothing about the sins of his past. Don't you think that's interesting? I mean, if you go to the normal church service, you go to just a normal gathering, Church gathering, all we talk about is the sins of our past, our sin. Sin, 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 sin. We are sin conscious. We are old man conscious. We are Egypt conscious. For Paul, the good stuff of the past he considered dumb. And the bad stuff he barely mentions. Instead, he simply says, I died. You know, there was a, uh, I, I believe it, it's St. Augustine. I, I need to look it up again. I've said it so many times that I question where I hear, heard it from. But I, I believe that it was St. Augustine after he, uh, after he before, before he um, um, received Christ and, and came into union with Christ, he used to uh, visit the women of the night. And he was walking down the street one day after becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus and a woman from a window yelled out, Augustine, it is I. And he turned to her and said, yes, but it is no longer I. Do you understand that? Do you understand, understand, do you understand how important it is to know that you were in union with Christ and in His death you died? The old man is dead. That is no longer who you are. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says, This is a faithful saying 
For if we died with Him, we shall also live with Him. Paul understood that our foundation of our new life in Christ is in the revelation that we died with Him. Most people don't know this. Most people don't understand this. Most people have never heard a message preached on it. The reason Paul continues to hammer this point in all his letters is because if you don't know that you have died, then you will not really live. So instead of living, most Christians spend their lives trying to die. Dying to self. Dying daily. And crucifying the flesh. But Chad, isn't that following Jesus? Isn't following Jesus all about dying to self? Dying daily? Dying to ourselves and our desires? Nope. No. Here is a surprising fact. Do you know that the, the phrase die to self is not even in the Bible? Man. When Jesus said in Matthew 16.24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, Jesus was showing us the way to salvation. It's through the cross. If you would follow Jesus, then follow Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, then we need to follow Jesus, right? Jesus died once, and he will never die again. It's the same for you and I. We were crucified once. We need never to be crucified again. You don't need to die daily. Once, we'll do the trick. Hallelujah. See, this is good news. See, the problem with this, with, well, oh my goodness. See, the problem with any message and self. Even noble sounding messages like self-denial is the, the problem. It's, it's self. The problem is it promotes self. It fuels self-centeredness. And, and self-centeredness and pride is the root of all that is wrong with humanity. The truth is, you can do nothing to save yourselves or make yourself pleasing to God. Jesus did it all. So get over yourself. You and your gold stars and your good deeds are just a dunghill compared to the goodness of God. You can always tell if someone is a gospel preacher. Because they will not try to distract you by preaching messages that glorify self or self-effort. They echo what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. It's a waste of time to preach self. Hmm. 
Christians who do not know that they died with Christ end up living two lives. On one hand, they're trying to walk in this new life. Does this sound familiar? On the other hand, they're trying to reform the old self. They're trying to put lipstick on a corpse. Put a little rouge on there, make them look like they're living. Put the best Sunday outfit on them. On them. Prop them up. It's weekend at Bernie's, right? You young kids don't know what that is. <laughs> They're trying to reform the old life that they inherited in Adam. This is why Christians are some of the most miserable people I know. They live in misery. No one wants to be one person on Sunday and another person on Monday. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Isn't this good news? It's so simple, you need someone to help you to misunderstand it. Look at Paul's wording here though. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Was crucified. Was crucified. Is that something that you need to do presently? Is that something that we need to do in the future? No, it's something that was done in the past. That's good news. You can't reform the old man because the old man is dead. <laughs> Some upon hearing this good news of, of our death and our freedom from our old man start having questions that come in their head. And the next logical question should be, how come I don't feel free? How come I still do things that I don't want to do? Well, you need to understand who died on the cross. We died on the cross, but sin did not die. Sin did not die. We tend to think of sin as a verb. And, and the truth of it is, is that it's more of a, it's more of a noun. Right? There is an old tyrant called sin that is still alive, kicking and trying to push us around. In Romans, Paul describes sin as a noun. Sin is, it acts like a person. It, it has lust. It has desires to deceive and to dominate us. And Paul's not talking about our formal sinful tendencies, but an ex, ex, external personality that seeks to dominate and devour us. Our own, on our own, we are, are, are. Oh my goodness! On our own, we are incapable of living a sinless life. You might have convinced yourself that you're basically a good person. At least I'm not like 
you know. Right? But the law reveals that on our best day, we're not good enough. The only way out of this prison is for us to die to the law-based life of self-improvement and put your faith in Jesus. But you're probably still asking, I understand that, Chad. But why do I still sin? Well, that's a good question. Why do you still sin seeing that sin shall not have dominion over you any longer? You see, that's sin having dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you are no longer under the law but grace. For many, it's simple. The simple fact that they don't know that they've died to sin. For some, some people, just ignorance allows sin to dominate over them. That you don't know that you're dead to sin. That sin no longer has authority or power over you. That's, not, that's no, no longer your nature. You do not have two natures. You don't have a good nature and a bad nature. You don't have a, a black dog and a white dog. And whichever one you feed is the one that's going to be stronger. There is no yin and yang. You are the in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're either in life or you're in death. You're either in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're either holy or you're unholy. They don't understand that they have been freed from sin and, and sin has no longer has any power over them. So they continue to act like they've always acted. Why? Because of habit. You've, spent, you've had a whole lifetime to practice sinning. And we adopt sayings like, well, I'm just a work in progress. After all, no one's perfect. And we're just sinners saved by grace. And all that does is reinforce the lie. The lie that you are someone that you're not. See, that doesn't sound like good news, does it? It doesn't sound like good news. That doesn't sound like freedom. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. It sounds like living your old life with the added bonus, the added religious bonus, the pleasure of shame. I get to live like I used to live, but now I get to feel shameful for it. Woo! Jeez. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. If we, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. When you were in Adam, you had no choice but to live according to the flesh. Trusting in your own abilities, trusting in your own righteousness, in your own morality. This is what believers call normal life. Normal life. Seeing Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says that anything that is not of faith is sin. 
in our former life was inherently sinful. Why? Because we lived according to the flesh, not of faith. There are Christians that still live according to the flesh and not of faith. And I don't care if if it's dog food grade flesh or Kobe beef grade flesh. Flesh is flesh. You may have been a good sinner or a bad sinner. Nonetheless, you are separated from the life of God through your ignorance and unbelief. But now that you're a saint and a sinner no more, you have a new identity, a new life, and a new master. That's good news. You, you are no longer a slave to sin. You, you, you now have the freedom to choose how you will walk. You will either walk in the old way of the flesh or the new way of the life in the Spirit. Before you had no choice. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. But now you have a choice. Will you continue to long for Egypt that has been dead and been destroyed? There's nothing there for you. Or will you walk in the freedom and liberty of the Spirit of God in the new creation realities of Christ Jesus? Will you see yourself in the identity of your new Master? Or will you continue seeing yourself in your identity of the old master. Now listen up. This is important. This is important. If you choose to walk in the old way, your new life will resemble your old one. This is why Christians are bound. Just like the Israelites. They have left Egypt, but Egypt hasn't left them. And it's hindering, you, it's hindering you from walking into your promised land. You will continue thinking like a slave and heeding the voice of your old master. Sin used to be your old master. And when sin speaks to you now and says, you do this? Yes, sir. I'm doing it. I'm obeying the voice of my old master. You have to understand, he's not your master anymore. You've been set free. He's under your feet. You are more than a conqueror than Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Who are you to boss me around? Who are you to tell me what I I will do and won't do? Who are you to tell me who my identity is? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision performed without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I love preaching on circumcision. Ask yourself, have you ever heard a message? Now, if you've been here for a while, you have, but have you ever heard a message on circumcision? The Bible is filled with circumcision. And most Christians have no clue what it's about. 
No clue what it's about. But it's all about you. And it's all about your identity in Christ. And it's all about you being set free from the old sinful nature. Your old self was crucified. Any sinful nature you once had has been cut off. And that circumcision was not done with human hands. It was done by God. You are now one with the Lord. You do not have two natures dueling for control inside of you. You are a partaker of the sinless life and the divine nature of Jesus Christ. So how do we walk in this new reality? Well, the wrong way is the old way. It's not trusting, it, it, it's not trusting in the might of Adam and striving in the flesh to be an overcomer and telling ourselves, just don't do this. Just don't do that. It's not striving. It's abiding. Because this idea of religion teaches, it still teaches this. Self-discipline. Listen, it sounds good. It sounds good. The only problem is, it involves you. And there's lots of people that are very self-disciplined in many areas of your life. But what about that one area you're not? Who wants to be the best, the best sinner that ever went to hell? See, striving in the flesh to over to to overcome and telling ourselves, "Don't do this and don't do that," is the wrong way to approach this new life in Christ Jesus. This way cannot succeed because it relies on your own resolve and determination rather than the grace of God. It's flesh-powered Christianity. The problem is, we have been eating from the forbidden tree for so long, we don't even see it anymore. The forbidden tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you have a checklist of what you deem is good and that you're abiding by, it's the same tree as the person that is just doing evil and not abiding by your checklist. It's the exact same tree. We think the remedy for bad behavior is good behavior. We think the solution to sin is the law. Just stop doing it. How's that working for you? But this is nothing, but this is not even how the law what the law was intended for. When we start when when, when we use the law to stop sinning, when we tell people and use the law to get them to stop sinning, it's like throwing using gasoline to fight a fire. The law is good. But it's not your friend. 
There's a far better friend. And his name is Jesus. In Romans chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So too, so you too consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. These aren't new. These are, I didn't add these scriptures to the Bible just in case you're wondering. They've been there all along. Jesus died to sin once for all. Sin has no claim on Jesus. Therefore, sin has no claim on you. Sin's wage has been paid, and all outstanding debts have been canceled. You do not need to do anything to earn your freedom. You are free. Freedom from sin now is your starting point. Do you know how many people are trying to get free from sin? That's ridiculous. That's your starting point in Christ. Your liberation from sin and the old nature and Adam, that's where you start from. That's not something we're trying to get to. So how do we walk in that freedom? We walk in that freedom by counting yourselves dead to sin. See, most of you didn't even know that. You don't know that you're dead to sin. Your old sin master will tempt you, will pester you, and try to bait you back into captivity. Here's one of his oldest tricks. There's going to be some freedom right here. He will sow sinful desires into your mind and then make you believe that those are your desires. He will say, He will sow sinful desires in your mind. He will tempt you. He will, he will put lust. He will put greed. He will put anger. And then make you think that that's who I am. That that's my thought. That that's my desire. Don't be fooled. You have the mind of Christ. Take no thought but what is of Christ. What's that mean to take no thought? That means cast down vain imaginations. What it's saying is, is just because a thought comes in your mind doesn't mean that it's yours. It's not yours until you embrace it as yours. You have the mind of Christ. You, we take no thought. Jesus never had a sinful thought. So when a sinful thought enters your head, you can rest assured it did not originate in your sound mind. It's an enemy. 
trying to rob, trying to kill, and trying to destroy, trying to bring you back into slavery, back into bondage, and trying to destroy everything that God has for you. It's not you. It's not your thought. Don't take ownership of it. Don't engage with it. Don't react to it. Don't dialogue with it. Don't wrestle with it. Just play opossum. Just play dead. Playing dead is your best response to to an enemy like the devil. Because the devil does not care how you respond to temptation just as long as you respond. Just as you as long as you respond in the flesh. You, you can respond, you can respond like a sinner, or you can resist like a Pharisee, and he wins because you will be distracted from the grace that saves you. Your eyes will be on your sinful or self-righteous self instead of Jesus. Playing dead is the first part. The second is reckon yourself alive to God. That might give you an idea of what the next week's word is. We reckon ourselves alive, alive to God in Christ Jesus. If we play dead, life would be dreadfully dull. Who wants to live life as a dead man? Life is meant to be lived in spite of all the temptations that we face. We have to live for something, so let us live for Jesus. Let us live for His kingdom. Choosing to live for Jesus is spiritual warfare. It's resisting the devil and submitting to God. You might be sitting here thinking, well, what if I stumble? Well, we all stumble from time to time. The question is, is what do you do when you fall? What do you do when you embrace someone else's identity besides your identity in Christ Jesus? What do you do when you are deceived? Are you going to form a tag team with religion and the devil and start beating yourself up? You guys never done that before, have you? Or are you going to pull on the faith of Christ and thank Jesus for His grace and His love that He continues to lavish upon you despite your faults? And are you going to rise in true repentance transformed by His grace, freer than ever before? You walk in the flesh and you will not win. You cannot win. But you walk in the newness of the Spirit and you cannot lose. When we walk in the revelation that our old self has died and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God, sin cannot touch you. And you, we start winning in life. The Gospel is not a reform program for bad people. The Gospel is not 
12-step program for people. Trying to make your old self better. The Gospel is the liberating declaration that you have died. The new man cannot come until the old man has died. Every man-made religion preaches self-denial and dying to self. The Gospel simply declares that you have died. That's good news. That's great news. In one word, I think you could call that the Gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your great grace. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for the revelation that we are dead. Hallelujah, we're dead! Hallelujah. That old man is dead. And we have been freed and liberated in Christ Jesus. And now we walk in newness of life. We thank You for the revelation and disarmament of our enemy's sin that comes and deceives and tries to, us and tries to get us to embrace a nature that is no longer ours. Trying to give us thoughts that are no longer ours. They're not ours. Heavenly Father, we thank You through the, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit that there are sons and daughters of God today that are walking out of here in victory. They're walking out of here armed and dangerous. They're walking out of here no longer under the burden of a dead man, but under the liberty and the rest of Jesus Christ. A dead man's an awful hard thing to lug around in life. We thank You that You took Him to hell and You left Him there. And we've been set free as sons and daughters. We thank You for that. We praise You for that. And we worship You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Good. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. Remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.